This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to Turn of the Jets Digital Special Presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, and also the nation's foremost Antonio Allen recognition expert, Mr. Daryl Slater. What's going on, Daryl? Not too much. Been an interesting week. Uh, a lot of stuff. A lot of uh, random little things going on. That's for sure. So let's start with what I just mentioned. There was a story that was picked up by a local paper in Georgia about former New York Jet and former South Carolina Gamecock Antonio Allen being arrested. It turned out that it was a very different Antonio Allen. However, the story was spread by big outlets like TMZ and Pro Football Talk, so it took a while for this to get debunked. They should have gone to you, Daryl, because not only did you cover the Jets when Antonio Allen was here, but you covered him when he was in South Carolina as well, so you knew immediately this was not him as soon as you saw it, right? Well, yeah, it was a weird thing. Uh, so the story came out in Pro Football Talk that he had been arrested on at- Obviously, it wasn't him uh, for like felony gun and drug charges for acting as a body when when he it was a traffic stop he was acting as the bodyguard for uh, some rapper named Boozy or the little Boozy I don't know I don't know anything about rap post uh, post Tupac and the notorious B.I.G. so um, so this rapper right rapper of some repute I guess you'd say uh, had you know the guy had done some time himself. So this paper in Noonan, Georgia, which is where he was pulled over, I guess the guy who identified himself, and this Antonio Allen said he was a former NFL player. Um, so I, I'm gathering that the paper down there where he was arrested in, in the town kind of put two and two together on a Google search and assumed it, it was him. It wasn't. It was another Antonio Allen. I don't know why this guy who was arrested said he played in the NFL, but uh, it obviously was not the Antonio Allen. If you look at the mugshots, the two guys look nothing alike. Um, and then um, – the paper later determined I reached out to the guy who wrote the story. I was like, this is not the guy. And he's like, you know, you're right. He had checked the birth dates of the two of one Antonio and the other, and they didn't match up, which, you know, between that and just being able to like Google image search, you know, that probably something, you know, that could have been done on the front end of the, of the story to, to avoid a misidentification, but it wasn't. So, they issued a correction, and Antonio Allen's like this low-key, quiet guy. Like, he has a Twitter account he hasn't tweeted in years, and you didn't even hear anything from him in the wake of this. Um, he's like a re- really low-key, chill guy with a family. Like, I, that's why I was, I was surprised when I saw it. But then you take a look at the mugshot, and if you know what he looks like, it looks nothing like him. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what a weird story. But I, So, yeah, so it was not Antonio Allen. And we all, you know, I wrote a little item. I was in the process of writing the story of um, writing what happened. Like, and I'm scrolling down in the initial story, and I'm like halfway through my own story. And then I see the mugshots on the left, and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> this isn't the same guy. So, I, you know, at that point, I like just tacked on a couple other things, changed it around, and just wrote a little item about him being misidentified because I was halfway through the stupid story to begin with. So, uh, But, yeah, it was a very dumb situation. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. 
They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Memo to all reporters, in addition to doing a better job of fact-checking in the future, if something comes across the wire involving Antonio Allen, call Daryl Slater first for confirmation (laughs) as to whether or not it is actually him. But one guy you could go to for confirmation on what the Jets and Browns are going to be doing week one apparently is Odell Beckham because he seems to have let the cat out of the bag on Instagram as did Jamal Adams with his response, so let's talk about that. We got some schedule news, and we'll start with the fact that it looks like it's going to be Jets-Browns week one at MetLife Stadium Monday Night Football, right? Yeah, so the schedule's probably coming out next week, and based on you know recent history of when they put it out, they usually put it out on a Thursday to make a TV event out of it. I have no idea why you would do anything besides just look on the internet and see what the schedule is and why you would want to watch stuff about it on TV, but okay. You already know the games. You're just this is really just the order of the games and then what games are in prime time. So it's really a half a schedule release. But uh, but yeah, Odell Beckham seen the schedule. He said on Twitter and that he kind of hinted on Twitter that it would be a, that it was going to be Jets. It was going to be Browns at Jets on on uh, to start the season in Week One, which would be his return to MetLife Stadium and all that good stuff. Um, then later on. Um, he confirmed it basically on Instagram when he like reached out to some comment on something Jamal Adams put on Instagram saying like, yeah, uh, I'll see you week one. So basically he doubled down on it. And uh, I don't know, what did Jamal Adams say? Something like looking forward to it or something like that. So uh, yeah, it looks like that's what it'll be. And then now the rumor is going around that it's going to be Monday Night Football, which makes a lot of sense, obviously, because uh it's a prominent game it's beckham's return it's donald versus mayfield in the first game with both his starters um and also this is the 50th year of monday night football and the very first monday night football game in 1970 was jets at browns in cleveland so it'd be kind of a fitting way to start off the 50th year of monday night football and also beckham's return and it, it's an it seems the obvious game for many reasons to have monday night football week one so it looks like that's going to be week one, and uh, by next Thursday, a week from today, we'll figure out um, what the rest of it is. We will find out next Thursday what the rest of the regular season schedule will look like in terms of dates. As you said, we already know the opponents, but we already know now what the schedule is going to look like in the preseason. The four preseason games announced, all the dates are there, and a little bit of a change involving the Jets and Giants this year, right? Yeah, the, so the they don't they have kind of date windows, which is what they normally do. When, if you don't play any primetime preseason games, which the Jets are not, they don't have any primetime preseason games this year. Um, then you get the you get like a window of time when the, when your games are going to be. So 
for the Jets this year, uh, week one is at the Giants. The reason they're doing that in week one is because week one is not really it's kind of a low-key preseason game. Really, week three, which is when the Giants and Jets typically play, is when you do a lot of your game planning. And that's a dress rehearsal game. Of course, the Jets play the Giants in the regular season, so the coaches didn't want that to be you know, too much like the regular season game, which, whatever. I mean, the last time the teams played in 2015, they played in week three in the preseason, like, always. Uh, so, I don't know. It's just typical, like, <laughs> NFL coach uh, over-paranoia stuff. But the Jets and Giants will play against each other week one, the Jets being the road team there. And then the Jets go on the road for a real road game into Atlanta in week two. So, the first week, you know, there's no date set for these games. They're just, like, windows. So, August 8th to 11th would be the first game, and then 15th through 18th would be this week two game in Atlanta. Then the Jets host the Saints on August 22 to 25, and that's the third preseason game, you know, the big one where the dress rehearsal and all that good stuff. And then the, the, pre, the finale is the same as always. It's against the Eagles. It's the home game for the Jets, MetLife Stadium, August 29 to 31, the backup bowl right before cuts. So really the change is, is uh, swapping out that, uh, that giant game from week three to week one, which I'm going to go on a limb and say it has zero impact whatsoever on what happens in the regular season. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the baseball betting podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60 game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Daryl, I suppose it is possible that the reason that the Giants don't want to play the Jets later in the preseason and they want to do it when the starters are barely going to play is because they don't want the Jets to get a look at their brand new secret weapon if they bring him in. Of course, I'm talking about Morris Claiborne, the former New York Jet cornerback. He started the last two seasons. Looks like the Jets aren't super interested in bringing him back, but the Giants are having him in for a visit. Yeah, the Jets have moved on from him, it appears. Um, Giants bring him in for a visit. They have a significant need at cornerback, the outside cornerback spot opposite Janoris Jenkins. So that's something they're going to have to address here. And Claiborne, we give him a veteran, a guy who's, uh, as we all know, has been injured throughout his career, but has you know stayed pretty healthy the last couple of years, played 15 games each of the past two seasons. Um, the Jets, of course, moving forward with, you know, Tremaine Johnson, Tremaine Johnson at one side, you got Brian Poole on the slot. And then at this point, you have Daryl Roberts at the other outside cornerback spot. So it'll be interesting to see, um, are the Jets going to wind up regretting letting Morris Claiborne walk and potentially rolling with, with Daryl Roberts or, or whoever as, as, you know, maybe a draft pick as the other outside cornerback. Uh, will the Jets regret that? And and they'll, certain Jet fans will have a front row seat, perhaps, uh, to how Morris Claiborne does uh, after the team let him walk, if if indeed he does sign with the Giants. So it, it makes sense because the Giants have a hole and they have a need there. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens. Morris Claiborne is gone, but there is a new arrival as Brandon Silvers, the former AAF quarterback, comes in. And now he joins the Jets' depth chart at quarterback that includes Sam Darnold, Trevor Simeon, and Davis Webb. Daryl, I don't think that Sam Darnold has much to worry about here and probably not Simeon either. But this could be some interesting competition for Davis Webb as the third quarterback slash potential long-term backup solution. Yeah, so Darnold and Simeon are one two, obviously, and um, uh, with Silvers, he's the first AAF guy the Jets have signed, first former AAF guy, I guess the Jets have signed, and uh, you've seen a lot of these guys sign around the league. The Jets getting in on the act with signing him, he's their fourth quarterback, 
right now. Um, and he'll battle for that number three spot with Davis Webb. So what do the Jets want to do with – do they want to keep three quarterbacks? If they do, presumably that third guy would be on the practice squad, right? So will that be Davis Webb? Will that be Silvers? Or will the Jets opt to keep neither player? I mean, they're not keeping three quarterbacks on the after, active roster. That would be silly. But um, So Silvers is – you know, we'll see what happens with, with that spot. But Silvers is an older player. He turns 25 in in may here coming up so it's not like he's a young developmental player i mean he went undrafted coming out of last year uh webb just turned 24 so these guys are both reasonably young i guess but uh i I don't think anyone's thinking that either one is ever going to become a starter in in the nfl maybe a backup um so we'll see i don't think that i don't know if the jets are going to carry four quarterbacks throughout the duration of training camp um maybe this is something that they decide on I don't know. Maybe they do carry four throughout throughout all camp, but it just seems like a lot of a lot of reps to have to spread around. Obviously, if you're the fourth guy, you're probably not getting a lot of reps anyway. So maybe he winds up being Silver's does just a camp arm, um, but you know he's certainly got an opportunity here. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the off season, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because. There is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. The last time the Jets carried four quarterbacks, it was a really bad idea. So I hope they don't repeat that. I will say, though, Daryl, you're right. They're not super young, but Davis Webb and Brandon Silvers are definitely young enough that if they can be developed, maybe they can be a long-term backup. And I will say that for as unsexy as that sounds, as we've seen, having a reliable backup can be very important, especially if you're a team that winds up in any kind of contention. So... If nothing else, maybe Brandon Silver's like to spark under Davis Webb and gets him to up his performance. Yeah, I mean, I, it's certainly not the top storyline to watch in the offseason, but you know, quarterbacks draw a lot of attention, so I'm sure, uh, I'm sure we'll be watching it to some degree. Just can't stop thinking about if he made the team and Chris Berman was still doing stuff at ESPN and he ever got into a game and he starts calling him Brandon High Ho Silver's. <laughs> That's probably what he would go with for sure. I could tell you that that for sure would be Berman's nickname for Brandon Silvers, but I'm not entirely sure what his nickname would be for Ty Montgomery or Spencer Ware, which could be necessary if they come to the Jets and you're looking for nicknames for every Jet player like Silvers because the two of them are coming in for visits as potential depth behind Le'Veon Bell. Between that and the fact that the Jets have apparently visited with a bunch of running backs that are going to be in this draft, I think it's good that they're getting depth, but I also think that this is something that Elijah McGuire should be very concerned about yeah i mean he's a former six-round pick really has improved himself played half the year last year only because of uh the broken foot um so i mean to the notion that he's a definitive number two back is is silly i mean he's maybe a complimentary back maybe he's the number two back potentially but he hasn't proven that yet so the jets are doing their homework on other guys and uh and we'll see what it means i would guess that trenton cannon probably sticks as a special teams player because he played pretty well last year he'll get a chance to have the return jobs uh and then also you know, he, he was good as a gunner last year, too. So, uh, and he's in the second year of a very cheap rookie contract. So, there is some, as is McGuire. You know, he's not on the second year of his deal, but, uh, you know, his rookie contract makes him a cheap, uh, cheap guy to keep around. 
So the Jets are just doing their homework, and you, know, you can understand because you know McGuire is not really you know particularly proven. And I think that it's possible that Trenton Cannon could be a little more secure than Elijah McGuire at this point, if only because Brant Boyer may see him as the guy to replace Daryl Roberts on kickoff returns, even if, say, Jamison Crowder does punts. So that would give him a role, most likely, as opposed to McGuire, who the new coaching staff might not think much of. Either way, I'm all for competition and bringing in guys behind Le'Veon Bell because you want to make sure that they don't run Le'Veon Bell into the ground, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's going to get a large portion of the workload, but you know, you have to have a guy who's 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 there in case he gets hurt, and a guy who can kind of spell him when when he needs to come out of the game. Speaking of Le'Veon Bell, he's in the news too because he gets his old number, Marcus May, giving him the number that he was wearing, and now Le'Veon Bell gets to keep what he had when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. A new number for May, and some numbers for other guys on the team now. Yep, the Jets put those out on the I guess the second day of offseason workouts. Uh, in terms of what the numbers are going to be for their new players. Um, you have Le'Veon Bell stays with 26. Marcus May goes back to the number he wore in college. That's 20. And, and C.J. Mosley stays with 57, which is what he wore in Baltimore. That's an interesting one because Mo Lewis and Bart Scott also wore 57, so Jets fans will have some fond memories of that number. Coleccio Semele, number 70, which is what he wore in, in Oakland. And then Jeremy, small number change. Jeremy Clark goes 34 to 23 to make room for Brian, Brian Poole at that number. Poole wore that number in Atlanta. Trevor Simeon's got to wear 19 instead of his usual 13 because 13's retired with the Jets with with Don Maynard. Um, that's really, I mean, Josh McCown's number got given away. I mean, I guess that means he's not coming back. Uh, uh, <laughs> Josh Bellamy's got that number. Uh, now he's um, that's 15, of course, for Bellamy. He wore that in Chicago with the Bears most recently. Chandler Catanzaro, he's back with his usual number seven. And then I think the most interesting one is Jameson Crowder, who was not assigned a number. He's worn 80 throughout his career. Um, and I guess they're still sorting out what his number. It's not like he's going to have a blank jersey. Uh, but Wayne Corbett wore that number with the Jets. He's in the ring of honor, but his number is not retired. But uh, nobody's worn it since Corbett's final season in 2005. And I think that's an interesting debate to have. Like, um, for, as far as I'm concerned, like, if you're not going to retire the guy's number, you should put it in circulation and give it to a player. So unless the Jets have plans to retire Wayne Corbett's number this year, or unless unless Jameson Crowder said, I don't want to wear the number because out of respect for Corbett, then they should give it to him. You know, If he wants the number and Corbett's fine with it, and even if he's not, who cares? Retire the guy's number if you're going to retire it, you know, or, or don't. You know, either give the number away or retire it. None of this, like, middle ground stuff. I get it with Dennis Bird. There's extenuating circumstances because, you know, the tragic situation that his that his football career ended with, um, and they didn't give away his number for a long, long time. And then, of course, you know, he tragically passed away in a car accident, and they did, they did retire his number finally. But uh, to me, it's like the, this middle ground is silly. I mean, Wayne Corbett's been retired since, uh, you know, the last, his last year was 2005. Uh, make a decision. Either the guy's good enough to have his number retired uh, with you, and he's and you've already honored him. You, you put him in the ring of honor. That's if that's going to be enough. That should be enough. Uh, and then put his number into circulation. If it's not going to be enough, then retire his number. It's been 14 years since the guy played. Do it if you're going to do it. Um, if if not, then give the number to to a guy who, if he wants it. I mean, if if, if Jameson Crowder wants it, then then give it to him. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand this either. You can't go halfway. Either retire the number or let somebody else wear it. It's bizarre to kind of hold that number out there as, well, we're not retiring it, but nobody else can wear it. If that's the case, then just 
retire it. So I guess we'll see what they end up doing with that. I'm a little bit confused. The only thing I know for sure is that if the Jets draft Nick Bosa, he will not be wearing number 80 because, as we know, he's an outside rusher. Those guys don't wear number 80. But whatever number he wears, it'll be if he gets drafted by the Jets without visiting with them first because he was originally scheduled for a visit here, but then it got canceled and it looks like they're not going to reschedule. Daryl, I don't really think this means anything. I think probably if he's on the board at number three, the Jets are going to pick him. And if he's not, they just won't pick him. Simple enough. But some people are reading into this. I really don't see how this is a big deal for Bosa or for the Jets. No, it's not a big deal at all. They know enough about him already, and uh, they've seen his film. And if he's there at number three, it's a no-brainer pick. It's an absolutely a no-brainer pick. But it's looking more and more likely that based on, you know, you're seeing some of these mock draft projections that – the Niners are going to take him at number two, uh, even though they did trade for D Ford, um, which raised some potential hope for the Jets that they that he maybe could fall to three. Um, but uh, yeah, say Murray goes one, it's looking more and more likely that Bosa goes two, and um, even though the Niners have D Ford, so that I mean, the possibility that he falls to three for the Jets is seeming is seemingly low. I think he'd be a no brainer pick, obviously, for them at three, but. Ultimately, it's probably going to come down to three options for the Jets at three if they get a good enough trade back offer. Trade trading back would be an option, um, or Josh Allen or Quinn and Williams. I think it's pretty cut and dried from that perspective. Um, but yeah, it's a big decision. <laughs> Obviously, you know, maybe maybe both those guys turn out to be really good. Maybe one or neither do. So it, you know, just because their options are, are a little more limited in scope, it doesn't mean uh, it's not a big decision. It certainly is. So. Uh, it, yeah, unfortunately for the Jets, it, it, Bosa probably won't be there for them at number three. Yeah, I've been pretty clear on this myself. I think if Bosa's there at three, the Jets will pick him. I wouldn't if he's on the board and Quinn and Williams is also on the board. I would take Quinn and Williams over Bosa, but I think that if Bosa's on the board, regardless of who else is on the board, they're going to pick him just because Mike McCagnin loves those high-floor players. Not as many of them, though, in the mid-to-late rounds of the draft, which is what you wrote about earlier this week, Daryl, at NJ.com, taking a look at some of the under-the-radar prospects. Who did you profile? It's just kind of a, a rundown of under-the-radar prospects, yeah. I mean, uh, not necessarily for the Jets, but just a, overall under-the-radar prospects of guys that are flying under the dump. Darnell Savage, the safety from, from Maryland, who ran an awesome 40-time 4-3-6 at a combine. That was eighth at the combine, eighth best. He's one to watch. I think you look at uh, running back, Daryl Henderson, a kid from Memphis, who had incredible stats in college, uh, 1,909 yards last year and 22 touchdowns, 11.54.9 the previous year. He's 5'8", but he's 208. So it's an it's kind of a bowling ball of a guy, right? And, and in a good way, squat and powerful. So sixth fastest time among running backs of the, uh, in the 40 at the combine. So he's he's an interesting one. I guess under the radar depends on how closely you pay attention to the draft. If you don't pay attention to the draft at all, <laughs> all these guys are under the radar. If you're like obsessing over it, then you should number one should probably find something better to do with your time. But but uh but if you're obsessing over it, you know all these guys anyway. I think a, a really fascinating guy is a kid from Old Dominion, an edge rusher, and I'm gonna butcher his last name, but uh his first name is O'Shane and his last name is I I don't even know how to pronounce this, but it it starts X I it's spelled X I M I N E S. X Mines or something like that. That's not how it is pronounced, but um you can Google him, but he, yes, he played Old Dominion, and which is a one one A school, one A or football, football subdivision, whatever you want to call it. They are now in that they are in Conference USA, so he's not a, he's not a one double A player. Um, 
But he had 12 sacks last year, eight and a half the year before, seven and a half the year before. Yes, the level of competition will be a question, but he's a really interesting guy. Among quarterbacks, because maybe there'll be a quarterback or two flying under the radar, uh, Will Greer, the kid from West Virginia, is kind of flying under the radar. He didn't have a good senior ball, really. did not great at the combine, but he's outside of that foursome, the big foursome. Murray, Haskins, Locke, Daniel Jones. Uh, but how far outside of that foursome is he? I think um, it's interesting because he's kind of a system guy, which to a degree Geno Smith was when he came in, if people remember. Uh, you know, obviously people, people remember Geno Smith, but a lot of that with Patrick Mahomes too, obviously. So, um, so that's interesting when you try to look at the system guys and project how they'll do in the NFL. But those are just a handful of guys I threw in up there. There's a couple more guys. Kid from Rutgers, a free safety, Saquon Hampton. Uh, and he's been making the rounds. Just kind of an under the radar guy to watch too. So, handful of guys again. It depends on you know, it depends on how big your radar is, I guess, to determine if you guys fly under the radar or not. When you said the line about if you don't follow the draft, then pretty much all of these guys are under the radar. It reminds me of that Mitch Hedberg joke, rest in peace, Mitch, where he talked about the ads with hard-to-reach plants, and he said, what kind of a silly thing is that to say if you're a plant, then everywhere is hard to reach? (laughs) (laughs) And let's finish this off with a little more chuckling beyond the Mitch Hedberg joke. There was something that you touched on at NJ.com based on what ESPN had talked about with miserable fan bases. I was curious where the Jets ranked in that index. Yeah, so I didn't didn't do these rankings. ESPN did, and I just kind of just wrote a little bit about it. Um, The Jets are six now. They're up four spots, which I think is interesting because this is based on results on the field. I think a lot of Jets fans are hopeful, like, oh, yeah, Sam Darnold's ascending. They got a new coach, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but this is more so they base there. They actually do a formula ESPN does for this stuff. And it's based on like success wins, playoff appearances and stuff. And the jets are coming off a terrible season. So uh, it's not an exact science, but the jets were, they did these last in December and the jets were 10th. And now they've jumped up to six. Uh, in case you're wondering, the top five are, this is one through five, Sacramento Kings, San Diego Padres, the bills, the Florida Panthers, and then the Browns are at number five. Jets are right there at number six. So they're, what, third most miserable fan base in the NFL um, and six overall. And if you're wondering, we did we looked up where the Giants were. They go, they bring this thing all the way down to, like, 123. They don't write blurbs for everybody. But it's kind of an interesting thing to read. But the Patriots are 123. They're last slash least miserable. Giants are 69th. Eagles 101. So I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, are the Jets the sixth most miserable fan base? I guess it's a hard-to-quantify thing, but... I think what you're really looking at is like the least successful teams. That's really what that is. It's not necessarily who the most miserable fans are uh, because I think uh, to a degree, like, uh, you know, look, the Jets fans, I don't necessarily think they're miserable right now. Uh, maybe, maybe like when would they have been the most miserable during this playoff drought? Probably after, probably after the 2016 season when things really fell apart couldn't win with that veteran roster and then the rebuild the teardown and rebuild started in what early 2017 so i would say that i would argue that after that season when things appeared really lost they didn't have an answer at quarterback uh well i mean yeah i mean fitzpatrick came back in 16 he was a dud and it was obvious hackenberg wasn't any good i i would get i would say that after the 2016 season is when Jets fans were much more miserable than they are now, but this index kind of measures more so how miserable the team has performed, and they just slap a kind of a fun title on it. I don't know if you'd agree or disagree. I, I don't think they're as miserable now to Jets fans as, as maybe they would have been after the 2016 season, but 
you can't argue that, the, that the, with the losses having piled up in six in what seventeen and eighteen, uh, on top of what happened in sixteen, that the, that the product has not been has continued to be poor, uh, and that's what this is really measured on. So that's why they're six. I would say that we're about to see three of the quote unquote gold standard franchises move way up the misery rankings in the Packers, the Giants, and the Steelers based on what we're seeing in this offseason with all these weird expose and bizarre offseason moves that they're making. But as far as the Jets, they remind me a little bit of Randy Quaid's character in Major League Two, if you ever saw it, where he's sitting there the whole time and anytime the Indians are winning, he's like, ah, they're going to blow it in the ninth. Ah, they're going to lose this game at the end of the game. Ah, this guy's going to strike out. And that's kind of what it is with the Jets. I think fans have been beaten down so badly that at this point, it's more or less a situation where you're sitting there thinking, well, things are going good now, but how are they going to blow it? Like, I guarantee you there are a bunch of Jets fans that are going, ah, Sam Darnold will get hurt. It's not necessarily that Jets fans are negative. It's just that they're almost trying to lower the expectations to the point where it won't hurt them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, that's one way to cope with uh, what psychological uh, damage. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you mentioned the Steelers and the Packers; they're one hundred seven and one hundred eight, with like the lower being the least less miserable. So, the, you know, yeah, sure, the, the Giants could certainly creep up that list. Um, but the, and the bottom line is, this is this is kind of cured by winning this, this thing, and and so is fan misery or, or you know in lack thereof, right? So. The team wins, the, those rankings will improve, but they're just kind of fun rankings, and uh, I basically uh, put a little blurb together on that if you want to go check it out and uh, sound off on it and let, let us know what you think. Do you think they're legit or not? I have a feeling that Giants fans are going to creep up in the rankings right after the opener on Monday Night Football when the Jets play the Browns and they have to watch Odell Beckham score three touchdowns for the Cleveland Browns. We shall see, though, Daryl. What I do know, though, is that when that game happens, you will be there to cover it, as will your partner, Matt Stipulkowski, over at NJ.com. You guys are doing great work over there. And in addition to the stuff we touched on, there's plenty up there that the two of you have written that's well worth reading. For anybody that hasn't visited, why don't you go ahead and let them know what they're in store for if they visit you over at nj.com yeah i mean all the stuff we kind of talked about plus we'll have some stuff uh coming up here previewing the draft over the weekend um including uh, and then some schedule previews uh, along the lines of uh you know i will do something tomorrow on the ranking the jets games obviously the uh the games are not out yet but uh you we know the opponents so ranking those from like easiest to hardest like what's what's their hardest game what's their easiest game yes a lot of that depends on when the when they happen within the context of the schedule. So uh, we'll probably do those rankings tomorrow and then revisit them uh, when the schedule comes out and tweak them a little bit. But uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff up there right now. So feel free to check it out. Go ahead and visit NJ.com, read Matt and Daryl's work, and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.